do you aspire for in life? And how are you going to get there? Do you want to be the person that Christ calls you to be? Or do you just want the world to affirm you? Repentance is something which is very important. And using specific language in confessing one's sin is a very powerful thing. Because if you actually want to overcome sin, you need to have precise language in identifying the problem. But many people do not want to do this because they do not want to actually overcome sin. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. I'm Anthony Alegria. And I'm Mike Proctor. Yes, Pastor Amanda is out today, and Pastor Mike will be filling in. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the concept of repentance. And this is the topic of the number eight article of faith in the Church of the Nazarene. And one of the symptoms that our culture is collapsing is that people are no longer aspiring to things above their, well, just above themselves. They just want the world to affirm them without regard for the condition of their heart. In the church, we realize that this is empty. Acceptance is not the same thing as love. Love actually wants people to do something more than just the natural fallen state that people are born into. What do you all think about that? Is acceptance really something so different from love? Absolutely. I think that acceptance is much different from love because uh, one of my definitions that I use for love is uh, seeking the best for the other without any benefit to self. And so acceptance is very much different from love. Anthony, what do you think about this? I think that one of the biggest reasons why we see a lot of people find it hard to find the difference between them is the aesthetic. Because love in a sinful situation does not look very pretty every time. Yeah, it, people it can look want, very complex. Yeah, people want the, the easy route. And empathy is not the same thing as love either. But we live in a day and age where critical thinking is just, it, it is offensive to the pagan gods. You can't think critically. You can't make distinctions between different things. And we're going to talk about all that today because having precise language is important. But especially when you're dealing with problems, precise language is important. Um, in the church, we realize that a life without aspirations, that's empty. Repentance is a great tool for giving people hope and aspiration. And that's something which is not immediately obvious. But you see what happens is, is one repents, they recognize that there is a shortcoming in their life. They, they have not met some expectation. But of course, you only would repent if you realize there's a sin problem. You're only going to repent if you actually have expectations and you have aspirations. Therefore, it's a bit of circular logic where if you recognize that there's a shortcoming, you recognize that there is something above your current position. You see something beyond your immediate surroundings. You want to aspire for something better. Therefore, repentance, it is a tool for hope because it is a way of us looking around and saying, look, there's a clear problem and we must address it and go past it. Do you all not agree that repentance, it is a great tool for hope? Anthony, what do you think on that? Um, I would say that there is this huge connection between seeing the need to repent and expectations and aspirations. And I think that that's also why we have this dichotomy between acceptance and love as what's good in these situations is because for the people who do not have expectations and aspirations, it's actually really, really, it seems needlessly offensive to go and try to correct people or to stop them from walking off the cliff they seem to be sent throwing themselves off of because you're, give, you're attributing to them more goal and motive than they actually have. And so that can be something that um, people want to fight very seriously. Yeah, Pastor Mike, what do you think about this? 
Well, uh, in the Old Testament, the main expression for uh, repentance is also a return or turn. And so this turning is, is constantly seen by the prophets calling uh, the Israelites to return to God, to turn to God. And so this repentance in the Old Testament is a, a uh, complete expression of accepting your identity in Christ Jesus, but more so than that, it is uh, a reorientation of one's whole life and personality. So it's it, even in the Old Testament, that reorientation of one's entire life is completely uh, a change. So there is a complete desire in that change or aspiration, as you would say. Right, and even before Jesus Christ in the Old yeah. Testament, you see people, or before Jesus Christ manifest in the, the advent there with Mary, you see there is a need to follow the call of God, and that is where one should should orient themselves. And of course, Jesus Christ, while the world is eternal, um, the, the sequence of events uh, are as they are. Well, recently I finished the book Around the World in 80 Days, and I love it. It's a great, fantastic novel. But throughout the book, as you might guess, there is this idea that they're aspiring to get around the world faster than anybody else has. And this is not an easy task, and there's a guy that's hunting them. And I think one of the things that's just really interesting is the guy that's hunting them, he's a detective, and he realizes that if he can get them hung up on a small offense in Hong Kong, he can delay their journey and, you know, everything kind of collapses for our, our archetypal hero there in the story. But what happens is when the main character, Phileas Fogg, and his companions there, there before court in Hong Kong, the judge, he gives them the accusation, says, y'all desecrated a holy site back in, in India. And Phileas Fogg, he stands up and says, we did it. We're guilty. What is the fine and what is the bail? And he lays the money down and they leave and they go along the way. And the guy that's trying to antagonize them and delay them, he realizes he has no power over them if they will simply lay down their confession. They lay it down. They, they pay their fines. They, they give their penance. You can't hold them up. Their willingness to repent and confess their shortcomings, it was liberating and it kept them from being held back. Now, that's not to say that one should just look at confession as an idea where you say, well, I sinned and I want to be back right with God, so I just confess it. And it's sort of like a get out of hell free card where one just simply uses it as an excuse to continue sinning. There is this aspiration that you want to be transformed out of that. But at the same time, for people as they are saved and they start to look towards sanctification, they should recognize the very importance of a confessing sins. Uh, any thoughts on that before we go to the article, Pastor Mike? Oh, absolutely. I think that... Uh as Dr. Dunning would often say, that grace goes hand in hand with uh, the knowledge, or let me but restate that, the knowledge of grace and the knowledge of sin go hand in hand. And so, therefore, faith and repentance really come together. And when one has faith, there is that turning and that alignment that frees them from sin. And it is extremely liberating and extremely important to our belief. Well, Let's go on and read our article, and this is again article number eight in the Church of the Nazarene. Pastor Mike, would you read this article for us? Absolutely. Article eight, we, we believe the Spirit of God gives to all who will repent the gracious help of penitence of heart and hope of mercy, that they may believe unto pardon and spiritual life, repentance which is a sincere and thorough change of the mind in regard to sin involving a sense of personal guilt and a voluntary turning away from sin is demanded of all who have 
by act or purpose become sinners against God. We believe that all persons may fall from grace and apostatize, and unless they repent of their sins, be hopelessly and eternally lost. We believe that regenerate persons need not return to sin, but may live in unbroken fellowship with God through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit who bears witness with our spirits that we are indeed children of God. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about confession. One of the things that confession does is it helps you see a problem in life and move past it. It's a good way of looking at a symptom and saying, well, I want to have a diagnosis of the symptom and I want to actually have some remedies for that. When you see a problem in life, if you can use precise language in identifying it, that is so important. In our modern day and age, using precise language, it is an offense to the pagan gods. And again, I think the biggest pagan god we have in our Western culture right now is that of identity. Um, people, identity politics, you know, self-affirmation without any aspiration for something greater than you, it, it is the biggest idol we have. But the problem with that is we don't live in a world where people actually precisely talk about things. They want to generalize and overgeneralize. And if you look to modern media, you look to Hollywood, it's a, almost like it's against the social law to have specific language about stuff. They kind of say, well, either you completely affirm everything I do and promote it, or you hate me and you're against me. And it's, it's ridiculously absurd. They don't allow for precise language when dealing with the issues of the world. They want to make everything fit certain narratives and no one wants to have precise language. One of the great tools we have for getting past this is be specific in your speech and realize that other people will be specific in their speech while lying. I mean, that's just kind of one of the things that happens. People, they'll lie, they'll misattribute motives, they'll do all kinds of things. But if you yourself want to be able to think clearly, use precise language, and precise language in confession is a tool to overcoming a lot of the issues we have in our world. Anthony. Another advantage to using precise language is sort of along this idea of living in accordance with the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. And so yeah. by that, I just mean... For instance, if I say that my sin is addiction and then I don't go on to describe it, well, here's your two-bird sacrifice, and maybe you throw in your first lamb, and then you're done. You've done the one-size-fits-all solution to your sin, yeah. and you can move on. But if you look at it according to the spirit of the law, and I say I have a very particular addiction, then I can take measures against whatever this may be. Dylan, I think you had a really funny story that you might want to share about yeah, that. Yeah, so one of the things that I, I love, and I know I talk about this way too much, is the old Swatch watches. And um, as in true Swatch watch-wearing fashion, one should always wear multiple of them uh, back from the, the 80s and 90s and what have you. I love buying them and repairing them. And as you can see with the ones I've got on, they've been repaired with 3D printing, um, just a hobby of mine. And I pick them up. Some of them I've paid a bit for. Some of them I buy for a couple for maybe a few dollars. I realize that, and you, I'll leave this up to the audience if they think this is sin or not, but I realize that I have a problem with if someone shows me a broken Swatch watch, I will buy it. Um, I don't really care for them if they're in fine working order. I love the challenge of, of fixing them. But I don't keep eBay on my phone because I will look at a broken swatch or a lot of broken swatches and they're all untested, unrepair and unrepairable. And I see those words where it tells me I can't repair it and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do it and I'm ready to spend money. Um, and I realize that if I'm gonna be a good steward, eBay cannot be on my phone. It can't. And, and you got, you've gotta confess that and be specific about it. And again, I don't know that it, it necessarily was uh, a huge sin. I mean, I was just spending a few dollars on it. Um, but at the same time, I recognized it was going to turn into a problem if I didn't take preventive measures. And when you have confession of things, and when you're just being general about issues in the world, when you're specific about it, you can pinpoint it, 
you can keep things in check. You don't want to just say, I've got a problem with something on my phone because again, somebody might say, oh, well, they're using a dating app and they're being you know, promiscuous and having all these affairs and they might look at your phone and say, well, there's no dating app, so they're good. But really, it might be a monetary addiction to something like eBay or any of the other things. But one must be very precise in the language. Pastor Mike? Well, I think it, when we come to confession, you know, the, the, the fault of just being generality is in this pursuit of Christ-likeness, it is indeed the work of Christ Jesus in us and that there is a response on our behalf, the work of the Holy Spirit that, that uh, is indwelling in us, that we have a response to come and follow and be obedient to that. So when we name the sin, then we are already moving and working with the work of uh, the Holy Spirit within us. And this is something which we are commanded to do. Um, from 1 John chapter 1, we get a clear instruction on this. Anthony, would you read that verse that we have? If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in that, you do find a cleansing power. This is liberating. But at the same time, you don't hear people talking about liberty much in our modern day and age either. Because again, there's no aspiration to something better. They look at the world and they say, well, there's a darkest valley and well, it must be the world's fault that there's a darkest valley. And to some extent, well, maybe it is the world's fault that it's, there's a darkest valley, but you're there and you blaming that on the world isn't going to get you out of there. If you actually want to make some improvements in life, you've got to put a clear label on things and you've got to start moving. You have to take some initiative. Christ, while going and embodying the suffering of humanity, again, he is the suffering, dying Savior. When he goes to the cross, he wants to make a pathway for people. But you have to be willing to receive that. You have to repent where you're at and move forwards. Anthony? I will say that this is sort of a side topic, but in relation to what you said, a lot of times we think that personal responsibility is only related to those things which you caused. And so if it's not anything that you caused, then you don't really have to do anything about it. Yeah. which is a really, really huge problem in the world because then we expect the world to solve many of the problems that it throws at us. And I'm sorry, but the world isn't going to look at it that way. We have to take personal responsibility for things that we don't necessarily cause. And in doing so, not only are we going to take care of ourselves better, but we can love God and love our neighbor better through that. I want to throw one thing back at you, Anthony, because there are also people who will point to a symptom in society and they will try to give personal blame to someone else without taking any initiative. So, I mean, you find people and do this all the time. I think like the huge, one of the issues with the environmentalist movement, which really effectively acts like a religion, is they point to issues, they point to a symptom, and therefore they think they have a correct diagnosis and they think they have a correct remedy. And they apply personal guilt on people and say, well, you've got to act, even though their diagnosis and their remedy may be completely wrong. Um, Oftentimes their remedies are actually counterproductive. So yeah, a lot of times they bad. are. So you've kind of got to have a lot of wisdom in this. Again, discernment is important and critical thinking is important. Um, not everything is worth your loyal, loyalty. Not everything is worth you responding to and saying, well, I'm going to hear you out and believe that what you're saying is true. Not everything is worth you, you hearing in that way. Um, Pastor Mike. Well, when we talk about voluntary turning, I, I don't want anyone to construe this conversation of being uh, saved by works because it is the work of the of God. And that's language work. that is found in the article, voluntary turning. Absolutely. Continue. And so when it, it is that voluntary turning, it is the response that is required. And so once faith and uh repentance they go hand in hand they work together and we respond in that grace of god by receiving it because you can um, not accept the grace of god that's what we believe 
Yeah, there is an element of you're voluntarily receiving something. Mm -hmm. Anthony, I know you had thoughts on this as well. Um, to Pastor Mike's point, uh, a lot of time people equate choice and power to be the same. And sometimes in many situations they are. But at the same time, choice can also be to allow someone else's power to have effect. And so in yeah. this situation specifically, it is a voluntary decision to turn away from sin, but it is by the power of God that we are able to. Yeah, ex exactly. Choice and power are not the same thing. And a lot of times people, they, again, precise language, it is the pagan gods of our day and age. They do not like you to be precise about things. They want to conflate stuff. Um, it is an offensive thing to them. And even the, the word offensive itself is kind of their new language for sin. So it's, it's a nasty situation that we find ourselves in. Um, but anyways, another concept that we find explicitly outlined in this is that the regenerate person, and again, I know that sounds like high language, those posh people over there on the, the screen talking about regenerate persons, but the regenerate person need not return to sin. Now, in the Church of the Nazarene, we have a theology of sanctification, and you'll find this in, in many places you'll go, in the, and you even look to Scripture, you look to the New Testament, this idea that you will be perfected in Christ, this idea of total transformation. One of the faults that we have in the Church of Nazarene is we don't spend enough time talking about repentance because we kind of, we assume which people are saved, while we, on paper, we say that is different from sanctification, we kind of, we're not as good as walking people from salvation to sanctification as perhaps we should be. Because repentance is an important thing and we don't talk about that very much. We kind of pretend like sin doesn't exist when there's a sanctified atmosphere. But the thing is, the sin creeps and crouches at the door. And even for someone who is sanctified, sin is still creeping and crouching at the door wanting to come and get you. And the regenerate person, in other words, someone who has been regenerated into the image that Christ would have us be regenerated into, while there is this new life, they still have to be aware that sin is crouching at the door. It's not all said and done. There is backsliding. There are these issues which can tear you down. You have to constantly be willing to identify problems that you see creep up. And even if it's something like spending a few dollars here and there on a spot watch, you've got to look at stuff and say, look, that is going to turn into a big problem. I need to confess it. I need to confess it with specificity. And I need to move past it. And in the church, that is one of the ways that we find liberty and even throughout human society, even if you look at something like a fantasy novel like Jules Verne, Around the World in 80 Days, that is a liberating thing to confess the problem, move past it. It's even the beginning of the, the scientific method. Pastor Mike? Well, and, and to, uh, the good news in all of this is that once you become a regenerate person, it is freeing. You don't have to live in sin, and that is extremely good news. And it's no longer just uh, I have experienced salvation and continue to live in that because that makes the grace of God and the work of Christ Jesus on the cross, nothing more than what we would call cheap grace. So there is a purpose and reason that God has saved us. And so that it, to be that image of God, and we are regenerate and in the pursuit of holiness and Christ-likeness in that. Very good. All right, well, let's go back to this original question of why is it that people hate the conversation of repentance? And in order for us to discuss that, I, I want us to just kind of step back and kind of have a down-to-earth examination of what we're doing. I mean, why would someone even want to turn into a program like this? Why do they look at any programs online for any matter? Why do they listen to a podcast, watch a video program? You know, generally people come to something wanting confirmation of their life's course. You know, whatever trajectory they're currently on in life, they want some sort of confirmation or affirmation that that's correct. Or they want something that is encouraging them towards something which they, they see fit as a worthy goal. 
Perhaps they hear something they like and they say, well, that's where they go. I want to continue down that pathway. Or perhaps they just want confirmation where they're at or maybe they have a need. They, they're coming for these reasons. And one of the problems with repentance is that our modern world, they do not actually see the need for personal growth. Whatever one's person is, whatever natural state they fall themselves into when they were born, they say, well, this is what the world must affirm. There is no longer an appreciation for personal growth. There's no longer this idea that I should actually aspire to something above myself. And when we find our world in this shape, and again, I think the greatest idol we have in our Western civilization is identity. And I remember even being at Christian universities and hearing people ramp up about identity, and they talked about that more than they talked about the gospel. People even from the pulpit, they want to get up there and, and rant and rave about the identity of the people there around them. And it's like, hold up, if we're truly transformed by Christ, we find this language that we're one in Christ. And But the concept of identity, it's been hijacked. It's made into a, a pagan idol. And it's a buzzword that doesn't allow critical thinking. And I realize here in the studio, there are people about to, to bust to come in on this conversation. I'll throw it to Pastor Mike and then Anthony. Well, I recently had the opportunity to ask a lady who was close to 90 years old, uh, what did she want to be when she grew up, uh, when she was a child? Uh, what did you want to be? What did you aspire to be as a child? And she looked at me and she said, I wanted to be a wife and be a mother. And be lo and behold, she had been married for almost uh, 69 years before her husband passed away. They had three beautiful children. And so she identified with... Uh, what she had seen her mother model before her and what a beautiful thing. But the thing with identity is any I, when we identification with anything that directs our moral compass or our ethics other than Christ Jesus, Jesus, then we are hopelessly lost. And that is a bad identity. And that's the world we live in today that, that it is idolatry. Yeah, it, it is idolatry. And to back to your thing, I might say, we could be more specific in language saying she was impressed upon yes. by, by the own women in her life who, who embodied that. And she said, I want, I want to do that. Um, Anthony, your thoughts. Concerning the hijacking of identity, I think that... Um, the language of identity. Yeah, concerning the hijacking of the language of identity. It is really interesting today that if you ask somebody what their identity is, the first things that come to their mind have to do with either some sort of racial heritage, something to do with their body, or something else sexual. And so what the huge problem with that is, is that we're supposed to identify by the content of our character, or at least the creeds that we believe. And so, you know, if your basis for your own identity is to, you know, physical measures, then... That actually does say something about how you look at the world and how you look at other people. Yeah, whether or not it's no goal, whether it looks yeah. evil or it looks really nice and yeah. it's kind, even if it's kind, the way that you are judging the world and other people based on the way that you identify yourself is in the same terms. You see other people's identity to be what their flesh speaks. Yeah, rather one of the, than the their, great ironies is the oftentimes the people who are fussing about racism are the most racist people themselves. They, that's all they see. They, they can't actually view people by the content of their character. They can't actually have an honest and engaging examination of the world because it's all superficial characteristics to them. And that's a sad way to live. I want people to look past that. I want people to be transformed. We're all sinners. We all need to be made again in the image of Christ. I mean, that's what Christ, he came to do. 
to die for our sins. He realized that no individual is capable of that. Pastor Mike. Well, just to clarify with uh, the story that I talked about, about the, the elderly lady, um, you know, the, it, we were reading a devotional, and so the, the question turned, what do you want to be as you become a child of God? And the answer for every child of God is, do you want to, or, or the question is, do you really want to grow up and be a saint? And yes, we do. Yeah. And so that is, you know, and we're not talking about, you know, just actually going into sainthood, but being to give yourself totally to God and be used as God's instrument in this world. And that is indeed uh, good news. And one of the sad things is, is we have people with, without any other aspiration than your personal identity. Well, I want to grow up and be a insert demographic here. You know, that's that's not something to, to grow up and be. You know, this is one of the reasons why a lot of modern entertainment is so bad because they don't actually write a good story. They're just like, well, we've got all these demographic boxes checked. And it's terrible. Anyways, well, back to getting to this problem of how we must confess things with specificity. In our world, we recognize that there is a difference between sin and sanctification, and we should also recognize that repentance is an important tool. We recognize that people, they may be saved, and sin is still something that they're wrestling with because they have yet to reach that level of sanctification. And again, even back to the issues that we were talking about earlier with our, our culture, a lot of times people want to hash out certain doctrinal things in the church. If they actually get back to our written doctrine, a lot of these things become non-issue. We should reject identity politics in total, and we should not allow things which are not even identities to be treated as if they're identities. I mean, there's a lot of things that we should just reject on this. We realize that sin is something which affects all people, and people, as individuals, they need to, to confess their sins, repent, and turn to Christ and pursue sanctification. And in our world where people are taught from a very early age that says, be yourself, they don't see the need to confess their sins and turn away. They think it's all the world's fault. And... To an extent, there are a lot of external things which cause problems, but you as an individual, you've got to take personal responsibility. You've got to clearly point to things and say, I want to move away from that. Um, and it's so sad to me when we see a world without aspiration or without hope. So just in wrapping up this conversation, repenting and confessing one's sin, it helps us diagnose shortcomings. It helps us identify them and come over them. And that's a very, very powerful thing. Anthony. I'll say this much, that concerning confession, a lot of times we just think that this just means to simply make a statement, but this is more easily understood often with what it means to confess Christ. And so a lot of times the language of confessing Christ is easier to pick up on. It means that you're living in accordance with having Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so if we consider and apply this to sin, what does it mean to confess your sins? It means to live in accordance with them. And so similarly to Dylan's funny story earlier, you realize maybe perhaps you're developing an issue with some sort of product online, and so you remove access to those products, or at least easily available access to those products, and you make it more difficult for yourself to commit whatever that shortcoming may be. Although particularly Dylan's might not have been sinful, that's a good example for this uh, story. Well, I'll, I'll leave it up to, to the audience to decide if it's similar or not. But be specific. Don't just be like, oh, I've got a product online I've got an issue with. Be like, oh, I like to buy swatch watches. Which, that being said, if anybody wants to send swatch watches. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, in all honesty, though, any final thoughts on the idea of, of repentance and, of course, the connection with that with confession? Any any thoughts on that before we close, Pastor Mike? I, I'd just like to say this. And so, you know, some I th to go behind what Anthony said, if we look at ourselves in the mirror and then we look at Christ and, and then there is a need for us to confess that there is a difference, then 
obviously that is repentance and confession that says, Lord, transform me. I confess that there is that difference. And so repentance is a very important part of what we do uh, as Christians because we are still responding to the Holy Spirit's work in our life and transforming us and moving us into that Christ-likeness and pursuit of holiness. Well, with that, thank you for joining us. Again, I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. If you want to help us out, and again, we really need your help to further the program, we are undergoing some renovations around here, not just in our technology, but more or less in the structure of the program and our trajectory and trying to get more people involved in it and trying to grow our numbers. One of the biggest things you can do is grab a link to our content and share it. We're trying to grow our YouTube audience, which, again, a lot of things work against us, but please help us out. Grab a link, share it with your friends. Follow us on YouTube. Again, we're Kingdom of the Logos. You can download our free podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, I believe. There's a lot of different places where it's at. Download it, take it with you. CastBox is another free one. It is free. However, if you would like to donate monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com slash kingdomofthelogos. And we thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions or comments, send them to us. With that, God love you and have a blessed day.